everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of four books on all things cycling-related, writer about all things fitness, nutrition, health-related, and lover of pretty much anything outside. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and professional cycling coach and occasional bike racer, although it's been a while. I'm excited to get back to training. It's We've been sort of on off-season here, so... Yeah, I'm excited. Today is sort of day one, I'm going to call it, of, of the 2018 regime. Whoa, all right. I did not know that, so day one it is. Well, we were just down to the Trek store Toronto and picked up my, my bikes. I got a nice Demone sort of gravel bike with the dual ISO speed decoupler and full disc, so some good adventures on that here. Hashtag uh, ISO speed decoupler. ISO speed decoupler, double ISO speed decoupler. <laughs> and yeah, and then a Fuel EX, which is a sort of five and five really capable mountain bike so i and then i also got a bmx this past week so it's been a you're pre- just, you're flush with bikes it's right been now. a pretty glorious week yeah i can't really complain so i did the challenge now my first world problems are which bike i ride with my limited time to ride you know it's a really rough life for you and i i feel sorry i feel for you yeah. i really do so i went to the gym this morning to solve my problem <laughs> <laughs> no bikes well i rode my bmx there and practiced my my manuals and flipped over on the way to the I also got a massage this morning, so my things sound really bad for me, I guess. I guess. Just everyone is crying. Yeah, my usual morose tone is not quite warranted today. No. Well, you've also had your, your nice coffee. We're back to our espresso machine. Guys, we've been... It's been a crazy, like, 12 days. We started in Iowa... Well, we started in Toronto and then went down to Iowa for the Jingle Cross World Cup um, to help out with the Aspire racing team, and that was super fun. Uh, from there, we, well, Peter went to Madison to get ready for the World Cup with the team, and I flew to Vegas to handle Cross Vegas and Interbike with bicycling. Uh, I also did a bunch of stuff with Performance Bike. I was on their bike talks. So, and then after that, I flew to Madison, met up with Peter and the rest of the team, and we had the Trek or Waterloo World Cup of cyclocross this past weekend, and finally made our way home yesterday. So it was a 13-day trip. Yeah, it felt like a long one. Felt There's like a lot of stuff going on. I legitimately can't remember where some of our light switches are in our condo. I keep turning on the wrong ones. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually working on a piece right now uh, on the outdoor edit about re-entry into normal life after long trips. And I think a lot of racers and you know people who travel for races or gravel grinders or anything like that. Or can, for work. Or for work, absolutely. Can definitely relate to that. I mean... There's this weird thing you get when you get home from any kind of trip, whether, you know, it's fun and pleasure or it's, you know, all business where you get home and you're just like, holy crap, there's so much to do. I have all, you know, my inbox is overflowing. I have all this mail that came in. I have all this household stuff to take care of. Plus, I have all this other work that, you know, came from whatever events we're at. Um, It can be really overwhelming, but I think uh, Peter and I both sort of did the same thing and Woke up, did a bit of work, and then went to the gym to get the workout in. Yeah, I mean, we came home last night and sort of exploded into the house. Well, we had our unpacking, like, crazy hour, which I'm going to call my workout for the day, because it was a pretty, like, high-intensity unpacking. Yeah, we met friends, though, uh, coming coming into town. We were very hot. Our one car doesn't have air conditioning, and so... And Toronto's having a heat wave that they haven't experienced. Swimming slash splashing with some of the the kids. There's a bunch of young kids around, so that was fun. And then groceries and unpacked. 
Yeah, big salad for dinner, I think, was the other key to starting to feel like a normal person again. I think so, just that reset. Um, I was saying I read a book by Dan Johns, one of my favorite uh, strength coaches, and he's a really talented writer, I think. Um, so if you check out anything by Dan John, uh, if you're interested in strength training, it'll get you really amped to lift some weights and, and be reasonable with your strength training. Uh, but his thing is, you know, we all have these crisis times coming home from work and you have the, you know, inbox and the kids or whatever. And his thing is you just start, put the load of laundry in. And that's always the first step. Just put the load of laundry in. I feel like it was supposed to be kind of a metaphor, but we took it super literally. I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it solves a lot because that thing's going. Like you, you outsource some, some stuff, right? Like you have time going on. There's other things going on while you do other stuff. So you're already two times in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. And if you could put the baby on top of the washing machine and like it put it to sleep, I don't know if that's okay because it might vibrate. I don't off. know that that's okay. Don't take our yeah, advice. I, I, any child me, rearing advice, ignore care. us. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in a few months we'll have some excellent dachshund training advice, but that's about as far as we're, we're going to get. Um, anyway, uh, on the topic of books, actually, tomorrow we have a, an er, we're interviewing... Um, the authors of The Brave Athlete, which I've mentioned on this podcast probably for the last three months. It's also over on the outdooredit.com uh, under the Athletic Bookworms tab. It's the first book we were reading as sort of a little book club for athlete nerds. Yeah, we're recording. This is a current episode, so this will go up today, which is Tuesday, if all goes well, uh, the 26th. So that interview is going to be on Wednesday, the 27th of September 2017. Yeah. And so if you hear this in time, thank you for listening and, and staying on top of your subscriptions with iTunes yeah, or good whatever, job. whatever you use. Um, but if you wanted to throw in questions for anything sort of sports psychology, um, what else sort of topic wise? Uh, yeah, sports psych, mental performance, anything that involves your confidence, brain. motivation. Yeah. Um, we're also having a mental performance consultant. Yes. Uh, Danelle Kabush on in a couple weeks but we're also going to interview her tomorrow so really anything sports psychology motivation wise um on your mind or challenges you're having or you've seen people struggle with uh, we'd love those questions yeah and definitely i'm super excited about both of these episodes so you know make sure you're you're checking those out as they come out because i think they're going to be really good ones and not for nothing but simon and leslie the authors of the brave athlete have awesome accents so they're gonna sound really good Mm. <laughs> just throwing it out there uh anyway and on the topic of guests on the show if anyone uh hasn't checked out jeff kabush our former consummate athlete podcast guests latest uh, cyclocross training video i highly recommend that you do He's so now referring to himself as coach k yeah i'm not gonna get on board with that one but his list of qualifications is tremendous right <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers. But what is that called? Transitive properties? He uses transitive properties yeah. based on Tim Johnson's like junior World Cup or something to make himself a World Cup contender. And... Uh, yeah, somehow world champion podium or something. Yeah. It's so. Anyway, it's fantastic. But I think the takeaway from his video is like he mentioned that he explained his training for that when he was on the episode, which was May when yeah. we interviewed him. Um, and he's been working on this. Like I've been aware of it for probably over at least over a year from today, if not from when we talked to him. So I think this is like, he's been training for this this goal, which you can check it out on his video. Uh, we'll put this in the show notes, the link to it. Um, but he's been training for a long time for this, so it's not an overnight success. Yeah. 
Uh, we also have to give him props because he won the Grouse Grind Hill Climb. Consummate athlete. Jeff Consummate Bush. athlete. Also, it's- and I think he then is racing the Trans Cascadia, which is an enduro race, uh, series of days. Stage uh, he race. also did really well at Cross Vegas. And he raced Cross Vegas confidently. Uh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, as far as consummate athletes go, Peter was we were laughing about the picture of Jeff at the finish of the grass grind because you have all these very professional runners that are just collapsed on the ground and Jeff is just sort of standing there kind of casually. And I'm not sure how many professional, but there's some serious runners, but there I think the I don't know if it was the podium was all cyclists, but it was there was at least two were uh, also cyclists who were sort of up there. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, grass grind is also so it's in North Van. Yeah. Uh, and it is no joke. It is one of like the hardest, craziest hill climbs up a mountain. Yeah, the times, there's a record one, which is sort of with an asterisk, uh, that's 25 minutes. And I think Jeff ran it in 27 or 28, if I remember right this time. So uh, it's a pretty hard effort. Most people are up in 45 to an hour 15, I think. It's pretty standard sort of range mm-hmm. for adults. So Yeah, it's brutal. But anyway, check that out. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, let's let's get into some Q and A's here. Uh, the first one, sort of more for Peter here. Uh, someone asked about when doing maximum effort intervals, how hard do you go? And I feel like the answer will sound real like that. The answer that pops into your head is super obvious max effort but what is that yeah it's tough right so often we all like zones so i i'm not a big user of zones you know i have sort of that endurance zone and i i try and get people so they understand what that is by feeling and we all use heart rate a lot i, I use do use heart rate as a limit a lot uh for limiting the intensity um and then we'll use wattage periodically for a threshold or, or tempo sort of those middle ground intensities but more often than not, you sort of have that controlled endurance where you can pass your talk test and you keep pedaling as long as you're pedaling and you're not sprinting. Uh, you know, that's sort of that low end endurance, which we've talked about just recently with Marco Altini and with Steven Seiler, that polarized sort of training. You're even go, either going easy and long or you're going, you know, quite hard a couple times a week. So the max effort concept comes up often with a time trial or it comes up with a hill rep. So your hill rep, and I think the workout in question here is sort of a a three to one minute. So it sort of goes three minutes, two minutes, one minute, one minute, two minute, three minute. But we may as well for simplicity just call it, this is a five by two minute classic sort of hill interval. That's one of my favorites for mountain biking. So five by two minutes. And so there's no intensity, you're just going to do the best job you can at getting up those five hills or that hill five times during that workout. So while it's tempting to say, you know, hit 90% of max heart rate or hit this wattage, in a race, you're rarely going to be doing that. In a race, it's very possible that, you know, you know, our elite races are usually five laps. You know, if you're doing, there's usually more than one hill in a lap. And it could very well be two minutes. So the skill of going up it, but not blowing up completely is quite common. So max can be misleading. And so often I'll use max sustainable, but that doesn't roll off the tongue as well as just like max effort or, you know, so the idea here is that you're going to go up it the fastest you can without popping completely. And so a little fading or a little increasing is fine, but you're going to go up it as fast as you can. And you should keep track of the wattage you keep or the distance you cover if it's the same hill. If you have that big hill in town and you go up it five times today, can you go up it faster five times in a week or in two weeks or next month or next year? 
Uh, and that's the idea of max sustainable power. And for endurance sports, something like mountain biking or road cycling, um, but especially in my opinion, mountain biking, that five by two is a really beauty workout. If you're an elite athlete, maybe we add a couple reps. Uh, you know, if you're not, if you race a shorter race like cyclocross, maybe you take off a couple reps. Maybe it's a three by two or a five by one. Um, but the idea is, you know, rather than doing a single one minute effort, it's that repeatability and that ability to pace, which I think is, is quite important. There's a lot of people who come and they're, you know, basically they have one good two minute effort and then they're off the back. So that sounds a lot like the guy who's there for the first lap and then is off the back, right? We want both those skills. We want a hard start, but you, at some point you're going to have to last till the last rep, right? So I'd much rather see a really strong fifth rep for most goals than for a really strong first lap. Yeah. So it sounds to me like also part of it is like just knowing what the workout is versus yeah. kind of going into it a little bit blind and like really thinking on the first interval about the fifth interval. Well, yeah. And so a lot of people that question will come up when they're early to a, you know, either my my system of training or, you know, just starting training or they're trying to do a workout for the first time or they're going into like a CrossFit workout. All this stuff is the same as strength training or whatever your sport, right? This is the consummate athlete. We're not just talking about cycling. So if you're doing run intervals, like you also don't want to be walking necessarily on the last one, right? You know, maybe there's a time where we blow up on the first one and just try and hold on. Um, but there's some element of pacing there that we need to practice in endurance sport, right? So usually what happens is people, it's their first couple times and then they figure it out. But there is the people who just consistently blow up on the first lap. They always go on, you know, they're there at the start, which is great, but they never build that capacity. And I think the building of that capacity, that really comes back to that understanding of that max sustainable workout. So with the people who are the first lap heroes, they have that ability, so you can maintain that. But then you need to really focus in and be like, no, like you need to make it up that hill, just like we would in strength training. Basically, they failed on their last rep, so they dropped the weight at five instead of doing 10 reps. So their goal then would be to complete that hill, keep the first one the same, because that's a pretty good speed likely, and then instead of doing one lap at two minutes, and then the next one at 205 and 210 and then 215, the last, we, our goal then would be to do five by two minute up this set hill, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So rather than just keep trying and get the hardest Strava segment, and Strava is probably the other thing that ruins this. I don't know how many, well, I guess that's a, even a great one. A lot of people understood, but then Strava came along and now they feel good and they get excited. So then they completely blow that effort, which I would have rather them save for race day. Right on the first one to get the Strava, but then the workout's lost. So instead of getting a volume of training that's gonna provide adaptation, five by two minutes, classic mountain bike workout, we're gonna do one by two minutes, and then we're gonna go home. Right. So now we've just missed out on all that adaptation. You could make an argument that occasionally that's good. You know, for an endurance athlete, maybe, you know, who's trying to overcome a bunch of fatigue, maybe a one by two minutes good, but we need to build that capacity too right again it's not just the start of the race sure here's a question do you think it's ever a good idea for someone to do like the first lap hero thing for sure yeah and that's the balance right but um, even if they can't maintain it like if you're aware that someone isn't going to be able to maintain it could it ever be helpful i'm just thinking from like a confidence boosting Sure. standpoint and like if you know they're gonna maybe hit like you know mid pack at the finish regardless of how 
comfortably they start. Right. Yeah. No, there's definitely, and even in this idea, like I'm completely fine with say a five to 10% fade. So in that two minute effort, I'm trying to think quick math here. So that could be a 12 to 24 second if I'm doing the math right. No, six to 12 seconds. So your two minute could become a 212 and that's fine. Um, you know, for the person who is really badly blowing up on the first lot, maybe we tighten in on that and we want an honest five by two. Um, but no, like most, like a mountain bike race, a cycle cars race, certainly that start is important. That's a, you know, to me, it's almost a separate concept or a separate workout. Um, but certainly you could do that with someone where, you know, even, even the first 30 seconds of each interval could be really hot, you know, and that's where with wattage, once you've seen a couple of these workouts, you could certainly do a more specific two minutes where you're, you know, really full gas for 30 seconds that puts you in the front of the pack. And then you just have to hold on to that two minutes pace, right? So that might be 400 for 30 seconds, 300 for a minute and a half with no break. And that's your two minute hill, right? right. Versus 340 for that whole hill. Sure. Um, so certainly, and that's where, again, we just need to get through the one workout. To me, that's the, the issue is that you need to get through the five by two and then, and then from there you can play around, right? And you can get that goal. If you get a perfect five by two, well then this week I want you to do a minute 45 on the first one and then a bunch of twos. Totally. Cool. I think that answers that. So the next question um, is actually about dealing with sort of a hitting a weight loss plateau and trying to get rid of belly fat. So uh, the guy that emailed us about this, he's changed his lifestyle completely. He eats primarily, uh, he says, fruit, vegetables, and protein. He drinks water most of the time. Um, occasionally he'll cheat on his diet, but like pretty rarely. He hits the gym five to seven days a week. He rides the stationary bike. He'll ride outside. He walks a couple miles per day, and he's trying to lose another, like, 20 pounds. Uh, he's dropped uh, almost 40 pounds in the last couple of years, but he's hoping to get down even more. But he can't seem to, you know, really have any significant drops anymore. He's sort of stuck at this, like, almost 180-pound spot, so he's wondering if we have any suggestions. Does he have a goal outside of that? Like... What's his... That's his primary thing. Like a sport to be like, or anything? No, just like healthy, active dude. Right. So consummate athlete, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I always like to see another goal in there too. Um, and that helps guide sort of what the training is, right? I think it's easy, you know, initially that's great that he's lost that much weight. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, there's going to have to be some sort of tweak now that you've hit that plateau. And we would do that, you know, if my five by two intervals, which I'm going to just belabor today apparently... Uh, if those stop working, you know, it works until it doesn't. So for six weeks, you'll make improvement on your five by two, take a break. And then you might have to, as you say, work on that start. So maybe now it's closer to race time. We're going to do 30 second intervals or, you know, you don't have enough endurance to finish the race. We're going to have to go do threshold or we're going to have to do even an endurance block. So in the case here, what I would, and you can chime in on this too, but I would go, A, is there enough protein? So it might be, you know, making sure that we're hitting that whey protein. Um, I'd maybe limit fruit and just sort of that more sugary sort of calorie dense stuff. I don't want to say no fruit. That's not what I'm saying. But just it's an easy one to sort of just pull back and, and check on that. You know, again, for six weeks, just see what reducing the fruit down to, say, one. And that could be like a round training, have your orange or your banana or whatever uh, with your whey protein even maybe. Uh, berries are, are fine. I would stick with berries um, as far as food and just make sure that protein's high. I would go into a 
bit of a strength block. You know, if he's not racing or anything, it's the off season for a lot of cyclists, but or even a lot of summer sports. But if he's not, you know, if he's pretty open to training, I would try reducing the aerobic stuff actually, um, and trying building into more of a, you know, if he's been strength training for a while, building into more like a max strength, something with like sort of a, a five by five, and just each week set a goal, sort of where you are, and just slowly progressing you know, those big sort of money movements, you know, a squat, a press, a pull, um, yeah. and moving from there within your ability, right? There's obvious, you know, you can do that with a goblet squat. You can do that with all with dumbbells. It doesn't have to be super risky if you're not used to it. Cause the last thing we want is you to get injured. That's not the goal here. Um, but I think you can get a really good boost out of that and just see what, you know, playing with a little less cardio for a little bit does. And then the final piece is I would take some of that endurance time maybe and see if you can squeak in a, a nap um, and or just getting in bed a little earlier and seeing if the little extra sleep even starts helping with you know energy to be moving more throughout the day um, and also you know the belly fat often they associate that with sort of cortisol and stress so the nap and or the more sleep should help sort of down regulate hopefully a little bit yeah for sure I'll add a few things on top of that I think the first thing is I'm actually wondering if he's maybe not eating enough or possibly too much. I mean, it's sort of hard to tell from, you know, just what someone is saying in very broad strokes. But, you know, he says he occasionally will eat something not really good. So, you know, my question is, like, is that actually like a once a week you're having some like fries or a beer or whatever with your buddies? Or is it really more like three or four times a week you're, you know, hitting the donuts? Yeah, I think it's it's hard, like, if we are on the broccoli and chicken diet all day, it's pretty easy to end up with, like, an ice cream dessert that For then sure. offsets everything of the day, right? And so making sure that you're not super starving every day for sure. And I think, you know, if you keep on the protein and veggies, but it's a lot of protein and veggies. So sometimes even just, like, adding sweet potatoes in, my go-to. Yeah. Um, you know, you can eat a lot of sweet potatoes, Um yeah, I mean, I'd say, alternatively, he also might not be eating enough. Like, well, that's what I'm yeah. saying, yeah. Like, during the day, you know, it's that thing is you don't, you're not eating very much until you then, it's that, I guess, not binge and purge, but what am I looking for? No. Fast and pur... Feast fat. and famine, That's, that's a better sure. one, yeah. Um, either way, I'd say a lot of people tend to calorie restrict so much that they do hit that weight loss plateau. That you have that with a ton. Very like, common. It's yeah. super common, especially I'd say in younger females. It tends to be really common where they're super restricted, but like aren't losing any weight. And it's, you know, the super simplified explanation is like we start hanging on and our metabolism slows down to deal with the lower calories. So yeah, and I think that's also where the performance goal comes in. So if we set the goal, say you're at, you know half your body weight for a squat or something right now if you're not eating enough it's going to definitely limit that and it's going to limit muscular development but if we start increasing the protein eating healthy but then also every week you're bumping up that load in the squat responsibly again two pounds to five pounds type thing every week um form is really good you know after you've gone through 10 weeks or six weeks of that like you've increased your work capacity a fair bit you're feeling better um, but because you're eating, hopefully you're expending, you know, more energy throughout the day, you're getting out, you're moving, your body's feeling good. And because your work capacity is increasing, you should see positive changes in how you're looking and feeling, which is maybe the other underlying thing is the poundage is a, a nice consideration, but there's a lot of really good looking people who are up in that 160 to 180, even 200. 
right in the body composition and what you look like and what you feel like is is as important again like he's not trying to that we'll let we know of he doesn't have like a, a time trial uphill on a bicycle yeah that he's training for right so sometimes stepping back and like you know you want those pants to fit you want to look really good you want to feel really good you know if you can lift you know body weight to two times body weight in a squat you know that's pretty awesome yeah for sure um i think my actual other thing is um well first for the walk i'm a huge like walking a couple miles a day is freaking awesome i would maybe even if he can like make it into like an errand like we'll walk to the grocery store and come back with backpacks that weigh you know 40 50 pounds with food in them so i think adding some you know weighted carry there sort of sneaks in some of that strength stuff too yeah i mean if you go back and listen to that katie bowman podcast of stacking stuff right like that's just a time efficient method and again it changes the perception the mental side of the bit right and then the other thing I would say is if cardio is something you enjoy, like if that stationary bike or the road bike ride is something you really like doing, uh, adding more intensity to that because it doesn't really, he doesn't mention any intensity with any of the cycling stuff. So, you know, maybe taking a spin class instead of hitting the stationary trainer at the gym. Um, well, or joining a group ride. Even anything. just on the trainer too, right? Like if he's got that routine, then it could be the classic high intensity thing to start people off is just 30 sec like six by 30 second efforts with about four minutes in between um so you know that's every commercial break if you're watching tv um and that that might be an easy way to sprinkle that in through twice a week if you were going to get on that stationary bike anyhow the other thing you can do is incorporate i really like getting people on and off the bike so four minutes pedaling three minutes pedaling two minutes pedaling because two minutes is the key number today uh, and then jump down and, you know, set a 10 squats, 10 push-ups. jump back on the bike that has like, that will knacker you out pretty fast for sure. And, and a lot of benefits for the heart out of that too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, while we're talking about this, we sort of started talking about weight stuff there. You've been, you've been getting heavily into weightlifting lately. Let's... Yeah. So my typical off season, I just change sports and knacker myself in other ways. Hashtag consummate athlete. I guess more likely like injured my ribs still hurt from my ryan atkins training which i abandoned but you uh, abandoned it i'm still on the i'm still on the brap plan yes beat ryan atkins training trademark wait no it's the beat ryan atkins plan the brap method oh, if brap. you will yeah brap like snowcross motocross yeah. yeah anyhow yeah so i've been doing uh i'm have another course coming up with Coach Clance. Uh, Molly. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Coach Clance. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to introduce Coach Clance, okay. but Molly did an interview in Nylon with Coach Clance. Yep. Yeah, so we'll link to that. Coach Clance trained uh, PK Subban, uh, who you may know as a hockey player who played for Montreal. Um, very good hockey player, very well conditioned by Coach Clance. And he's trained a lot of football, NFL sort of guys. So last year I did a course with Coach Clance uh, that's very Olympic-based training, but sort of athlete training systems. Uh, I believe it's called Athlete Activation System um, by Layler Performance Systems. Uh, so really cool, really out of my element, you know, obviously with team sports and Olympic lifting. So I've really gotten hooked on Olympic lifting and just been slowly making progress again, slowly learning the lifts but today so we were away for a week so and this was my off week after about three or four weeks of sort of the we'll call it anatomical adaptation but just sort of the phase one of uh, Clance's system Uh, so just sort of getting over any sort of injuries and movement and learning the movements Uh, and then this is sort of my first week back and so in this week I sort of 
was really impressed with how much my my snatch so that's sort of taking the barbell off the ground and putting it above your head and in a deep sort of overhead squat um, and that went up hugely um, now I'm up over 100 pounds which I did not think I was going to do in any time soon yes um, and you're looking super buff these days I don't know if I've I've changed that. Well, I think I've maybe gained a little, though. Peter was really nervous because he goes back to uh, Coach Clance weekend coming up in about four weeks. So last time he was he was the scrawny kid in the class. So this time the goal is to be one of the beefy guys. I don't need. To, I don't know if that's going to happen or if I need that. But uh, I think I'm I need to be more confident this time that I go. And yeah, yeah. I'm, feel a little less intimidated i mean you can be the scrawny guy as long as you like lift more than someone right or, or at least more, <laughs> at least more confidently so yeah so i've been doing that so anyhow i've been really impressed with the olympic lifts and definitely going to incorporate that more in my training you know it's they have a, a bad reputation as far as people will the media thing people will say when you say olympic lifting they'll say injuries which is completely ludicrous to me because it's usually that people don't understand it but also they overlook things like running injuries. Like people will go and run. Like I, this is the time of year I deal with cyclists who decide they want to run and then get injured. And I, like, it's, it's ludicrous. The amount of like, I don't know what the percentage was. It was like 90% of runners are injured every year or something. Um, you know, and then so the Olympic like that should gets really this. be quantified. Like percentage of runners who did absolutely no training to get up to the five mile or well, but that's but you can't put that that exception in right on on Olympic weightlifting because it's probably the people that get injured in Olympic weightlifting are the people that don't know what they're doing or try and put a two hundred pounds over their head. So to me, they're not Olympic weightlifters. <laughs> in well, my opinion, there's that's a true. distinct difference. But that's like when they say like cyclist gets arrested for driving drunk through the town, but it's like a person with a six pack on like upturned road bars on their on their bike, right? It's true. And, you know, sometimes those people have amazing bike skills, but they're probably not cyclists. Like they were legitimately riding to the beer store and then to like ride through the town square terrorizing people. So. At beer store, I was going to say shout out to Dave Herford, but he doesn't terrorize people. I guess, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't upturn his handlebars. No, but he does own a bike that he has tricked out to carry a 24-pack. Well, that's just a beach cruiser. That's Yeah, funny. but he brought like the box for the 24-pack with him to the store to get the, the rack for the bike to make sure oh. it would fit. Yeah. Dave well, Herford that's... is a boss. Well, I'm... Yeah, he's good with woodworking, I guess. That's true. All right, anything else going on today? Uh, yeah, actually, we had one more question about core workouts. Someone was asking, uh, you know, as they're doing core workouts, say, twice a week, are they supposed to do arms with the core one day and legs with the other? How does that work? Yeah. Are we still, and so this what's is up a, with arm day? This is a cyclist for sure, and this is very common. Like, we were in hotel gyms over this last week, and it was sort of my down week, so I was just sort of making do with what was there, and just sort of more yoga, like sort of calisthenics than anything. So I'm in there and definitely there was like some people where you could tell like it was like high school football. Up and out, that was the guy that just like crowded me yeah, out of my Yeah, that dude was like, a little weird. But, that was so weird. So the common, like the moves everyone knows in the gym are like those beach body moves, like an arm curl. Um, I will bicep curl maybe like all a, day. Maybe like a bench press, calf raise, you know, and all these have utility. You know, I've been doing a bunch of bench press recently. Bicep curls might not have any utility. Uh, they do, but like, you know, if you're a football player or like, you know, you're trying to actually build biceps, like it's fine to want to build your biceps. That's a fine goal. But, you know, when you're someone who's looking to overcome back pain, to cycle better, 
um, you know, we're looking at those, you know, and, and strength training isn't your main passion, right? Like you need the main benefit. So core training really can involve your entire body. You use your quote unquote core or your torso when you do anything, especially if you hold weights. Um, so if you want to do a push up, most people want to do knee push ups because they can't use their core, but then they're doing sit ups to nauseam. So if you practice doing push ups, which is going to involve your arms and your entire body, you got to squeeze your butt, squeeze your quads. Make yourself into a plank, do a push-up, just like Jeff Kabush. Jeff Kabush's core is probably really good. He did 50. No spoilers. Oh, right. No, I spoiled, spoiled the Jeff Kabush thing. Um, you know, so our idea here is, you know, we want to do like a 10-minute core routine, 20-minute core routine, keep it really doable and really approachable. But that can include lunges are a great thing. You know, you're going to get a mobility out of that. You're going to get a single leg stance out of that. So if you're a runner or a cyclist or a person who intends to walk at any point, single leg stance is really good. Opening the hips in an active way is very good. So lunges are a definite in there. Um, but to me, most cyclists may as well just do the same routine. Like you don't need to do a split routine. Like that's, to me, that's always a bit of a red flag unless, you know, you're training for strength training or conditioning, you know, in this coach Clance sort of world of team sports. Like this is a four day program that coach Clance is doing, but it's not necessarily core. There's a core element maybe to the program where we're doing, you know, some sort of core, but for most people, full body movements, try and think squat, you know, like those traditional movements, squat, lunge. Uh, one-legged deadlift is good for a lot of people for balance and again single leg stance push up to learn how to make a plank and then push you know push away um, for cycling that's going to still be important you know when you're pushing those handlebars away trying to stay you know low over top of the bars is very push-uppy um, i'm trying to think of the other movement i wanted oh and then most people like when we think of core the other red flag is that everyone wants to do sit-ups which aren't necessarily bad but if you have back pain i wouldn't necessarily go to that as a first thing um but something like a back extension uh, a side plank uh those are, are you know traditional sort of core exercises that probably are you know for most people are going to be pretty beneficial i think um, but we want to make sure we're progressing that in the same way i described those maximal hill reps that you should be getting better each week and it should be increasing your work capacity so if you're thinking like bicep curls and you know miscellaneous core sit-ups then you know that's just not going to help your cycling and your back pain because it's so isolated. Um, but do it if you like it, but it makes sure you're incorporating something, you know, for your time that's going to help towards a goal. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And then I'll also add, we have a couple of different core workout videos over on smartathlete.ca. So we'll have to link to those in the show notes. Yeah, we have a couple ideas there. Uh, if you search 20 minute anywhere core, yeah. really anywhere core. And then I think Peter Glassford or something should pull that up, but we'll link to them too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go, I kind of want to just quickly do a couple little takeaways um, from, I guess, our last week, actually. So getting your new BMX bike, what are some of your, you know, kind of key takeaways with getting that and starting to hone in on some bike skills? It's been a while since I've ridden 20 inch. Like that's where I started was dirt jumping. Um, I don't know. It's so good. Like riding flat pedals and like already my manual's getting better and bunny hops, you know, you learn how to do a proper bunny hop with that front wheel coming up. My manual's gotten better. You know, Brandon, uh, one of the mechanics for Aspire and I, he sort of motivated me into getting this because he's been sort of playing around with BMX. And so we went all around Madison and hunted out pump tracks. And I don't know, it was just so good spending that sort of hour a day sitting in the forest. Like it just brought me back to being 15 again. And, you know, you're so tired. Like you get two laps and you're just so winded 
right? But you sit there and you're talking about, you know, he's a coach too, so we will talk about some coaching stuff and, you know, and then he'll be like, oh, well, what do you think about doing this line? You know, jump over this one and manual over this hump and then, you know, can you do that? And then oh, I think I can do that. And then you go and try it. Um, I don't know. It was just such a good way to spend an hour, like meditative, your nature. Uh, and then like the bike skills from those flat pedals, if you go back to that Ryan Leach podcast, you know, it's just so good. So good. So really getting back to like playing on bikes. And the craziest thing is that a BMX, I got this pretty legit BMX. It cost $400, like, which might seem like a lot depending on what side of the bicycling fence you are on. But, um, but like I have like cassettes that cost $400. Like you do not the rear gears for like an Eagle cassette. I swear to, I'm pretty sure is more than $400. I don't think just the cassette is $400. Look it up. If it is, I'm gonna look it up now. You talk about some stuff. I'm gonna look up what an eagle thing costs. We're returning your bike. I don't have eagle. Okay. Anyway, um, and then while Peter was shredding around in the forest, I was wandering the floors of Interbike in the Las Vegas Convention Center at Mandalay Bay. So when we're talking about who had a more fun week, Peter is trying to bring us up. Four hundred twenty-eight dollars U.S. on competitive. For like the gold. That's eagle. Eagle's gold. Gold eagle. The other eagle one on there says under $200. Okay, my point is that you can get a cassette. (laughs) If someone was like, oh, what cassette should I get? They should get the Eagle XG1275, which costs $195 US, and then save up and get a BMX. You can get one for $250, actually. I just got a little better one. Yeah, so if you were planning on getting the SRAM 11-speed Eagle, well, that's, that's my point solid so gold, it, you could get And I guarantee you, like, you'll learn how to pump through terrain, you'll manual, go around berms faster, jump, all this cool stuff. You'll have a blast. This bike is, like, bomb-proof, right? And then you can transfer that over. So the fact that you don't have DI2, you just have normal shifter cables, or you have a cassette that's... 10 grams heavier that costs $300 less. Your math is really bad today. <laughs> I just used the... You gotta estimate that. You gotta round. I'm making a point here. Anyhow, they, they get the point. I get the point. Okay, anyway. Back to me for a second here. So yeah, anyway, at Interbike, I was doing a nutrition roundup for bicycling. And, you know, to some extent, nutrition is sort of more of the same year in, year out. But this year was actually kind of exciting for that. And I'll have to link to the article once it comes out. But it was kind of cool because all of the places I went to had very different stuff, you know. One of them is all about drinking your calories. One of them is, you know, all about just like the traditional like gels and bars and all that stuff. One is all about like natural flavors and using like unprocessed foods in kind of a more processed way that's easier to carry and, you know, get to on the bike. You have some that are you know, not using sugar, they're using starch instead. Uh, so you can, you know, be on that fat adapted diet and be burning more fat as fuel. Just a bunch of different cool things. But what I really was happy with was the amount of intel I got where, you know, the nutritionist for the brand or the, you know, head of development for the brand or whatever was telling me very specifically, you know, some people, like for some people, this is amazing. Some people have found that this has worked really well, but you know, not everyone is going to want to drink their calories. But, you know, on the other hand, not everyone wants to eat all their calories. Uh, You know, a pure banana bar might not work for, you know, someone that has some gut issues and sort of needs something that's a little bit quicker and easier to dissolve and, you know, they can actually get down. 
So I was just really impressed with the fact that, you know, people are really starting to respond to the individuality for athletes and, you know, say that not every single athlete is going to respond the same way to every single piece of nutrition. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes then. People, I'm sure, will want to see. Uh, We'll put a few links from the races, from our friends over at CX Hairs have done a lot of good roundups from the three races we've mentioned today, the two World Cups and Cross Vegas. Uh, And we'll post any of Molly's stuff. Um, which would all be for bicycling pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. For inner bike, yeah. Yeah, you did, yeah. although you did a video with, who did you do that video with? I did with? that video with Performance Bike. I was on their bike talks or bike chats video. And is that live or was that like a Periscope? Does Periscope exist? Periscope does not exist. Um, no, it was Facebook Live. Uh, so that was really fun and it's it's still up on their site. Apparently it's had over 70,000 views at this point, which is pretty sweet. 70,000 listeners can't be wrong. It's true. If only some of them would start listening. Yeah, right. I think I dropped the Consummate Athlete oh, podcast perfect, in there perfect. a couple times. Perfect. All right. Well, you need to go. You have a massage. Yeah, you it's a rough have, life. Had a, well, you've had a busy... We've just got back on travel and stuff, this so you're, true. you're going pretty hard. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Rate, tell, tell, tell a friend about podcasts this week. And if you have any ideas, we have a form over on consummateathlete.com where you can submit a question or a recommendation for guests we're always looking for new consummate athletes that could be a regular person who just does all sports awesome uh, or someone who's an expert in a certain area you want to hear about yeah and the kookier the sport the better we're definitely looking for some more you know like how to throw a dart kind of things yeah some of those bar tricks and stuff that's what we're like pool and that sort of thing yeah that active yeah perfect all right thank you guys have a great week Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health-conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you, including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health-conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist-to-hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So go over to healthiq.com slash CAPod and, All lowercase. And take that quiz. Um, they have a bunch of different quizzes on the website, and the website's pretty well designed, so it's worth heading over there, checking it out, and again, using that link, healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review, and while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast 
or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.